We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome in to the RotoWire NFL podcast. John McKechnie, Mario Puig, back in studio, reunited together. Feels good. Yeah, uh, where did you go again? You went home. I did. I okay. went to Maryland. And you didn't go to Ocean City, but you crossed the Bay Bridge? That trip actually got canceled. I was, I'm oh, pretty salty sorry. about it still. I that know, sucks. Right? So I just played um, a bunch of tennis instead. You should have at least just gone to the bridge <clears throat> just to be afraid. Just to yell at the bridge. Just to get to the halfway up there and then stop and say, I got to get down and then like not move and, and just like cry for help and yeah, don't just like stop a, the traffic and just cry. Like until a someone cat takes in, a, in a tree that the fire department has to come take down. I was thinking like the kid who gets who waits in line for like an hour to get to the, the, the whatever, like the down facing water slide that's very steep or something and then just cries and says like, I can't do it. And then there's like 50 people behind them and they're saying like, go down the slide. And I need the jaws of life. Yeah. Often. So anyway, it's a very scary bridge. I've not not gone on many bridges so i don't mean to oversell it to the bridgeheads out there i don't want you to travel i don't want you to travel to maryland to go on this big this colossus of what i assume would will eventually be death because it's like a it's a it's like being on a big aluminum uh like just skeleton thing like it almost like a roller coaster i guess but in the sky and over uh of water you know it looks like a fatal fall whatever the distance is it it, it looks like it's painted white but um it's got the similar shape as like the golden 
Golden Gate Bridge, but um, Wayne, it looks like way worse. It's very narrow it's too. Rickety-er. There's two. There's one going one way and another going the other. The one coming toward DC is like twice as big. You want the one that's going away from DC. That one's really scary. And uh, I ideally, I guess I might have to go over it again, but that might be the last time I go over anything. All right, so that that'll um, that'll wrap up our bridge discussion at least for today. We'll we'll bring that uh, yeah. back, of course, uh, in a bit. Maybe but, vacation stuff uh, in the next episode too. Yeah, I, th- I think the we'll, subject uh, for today. Is, well, yeah. Oh, I was sorry. I was like trying to alley you, but well, and I just completely whiffed it. Um, the subject for today, as you, the NFL fan listener, uh, might know that there's really not a lot going on until uh, sometime in the next few weeks once training camps uh, get started off. So we decided to take today's episode in a little bit of a different direction. We're doing a Debbie-focused uh, podcast. That's like the slang term for developmental uh, podcast. So like the, the leagues that kind of are – uh, campus to Canton type of leagues, or you know, basically you're looking at incoming freshmen in college all the way through, and and what their uh, projected NFL fantasy value will be. Am I kind of hitting the notes there? Yeah, it's, so it's like there's dynasty football, which is where it's not a keeper league. It's that you kind of generally keep you know some substantial number of players from one year to the next be it that you just keep them or because you keep them on a certain contract extent uh, contract length and salary number something like that those all qualify as dynasty leagues Debbie leagues are a separate type of dynasty league where like you said it includes the college player pool basically so uh, some dynasty leagues you can only pick they they have rookie drafts and only rookie drafts uh Others, Debbie Leagues, it's like they'll still have a rookie draft usually because there's like leftover players who didn't get picked in the Debbie draft the year before or the years before. Um, but it's, yeah, so it's like you, if, if you were in this kind of league and, you know, you took uh, whatever, Daryl Henderson with your last pick last year, something that would have been totally plausible to do because he wasn't that highly regarded a year ago, uh, you would have him now on your roster and you you know basically look smart for it and so uh we're gonna look at goal yeah we're gonna look at the players who are in college football right now and try to you know hash out where we think that the best assets are a loosely descending order and it's tough because it's like you can look at a player we were talking about this off uh the mic a little bit you can look at a player like rondale moore or like whatever amon ross st brown and we're like that guy's gonna be good don't have any doubt about it but they were also both true freshmen last year, so you won't be able to cash in on their talent for you know at least two years, maybe three. And you have to weigh that kind of like appreciation period of the asset against the immediate return. Maybe a lesser player like Brian Edwards of South Carolina could give you. So it's and whether you prefer one timeline over another might depend on just how the rest of your team is built. Like whether you're looking to you know compete now or if you're rebuilding, you're more likely to take the long term guy, more likely to value the long term deferred asset. Um, so it's not a it's not like a one size fits all discussion, but we we mean to you know account for all those angles basically. Right. Exactly. So. Yeah, like you said, a, a Darrell Henderson w- would have been a pick that, that paid off a lot last year, and maybe he wasn't in like the, that Devi top twenty. You know, being a, a uh, right, he was off the radar. Guy. It's like people people were probably chasing more like um, you know the, the Trevor Lawrences Harris. and stuff sure. like that. Um, so yeah, well, John knows much better than me like the freshman crew, and, and I definitely will have to defer to him on those. Whereas like I still have a little bit of recollection of you know the Brian Edwardses, the Tyler Johnsons, those types of players. But uh, first of all, John. 
I feel like we might be an agreement on this. I apologize if I'm uh, preemptively misquoting you, but uh, I feel like Travis Etienne, the running back from Clemson, warrants the top spot. He does. And it's uh, not just that I think he's going to play in the NFL after this year, uh, or he'd be crazy at least to go back. Um, but I think he's not that I have a specific uh, comparison in mind, but the big playability that he shows is special, I think. And it wouldn't be that shocking if he had, um, I don't know what the kind of comparison we might have in mind, but you know, he, he could be like a Chris Johnson style, big play threat, not to predict 2000 yard seasons or anything like that, but just basically somebody who puts the fear of God into your defense. Unlike any other runner in the league, uh, he could be the best big play threat, even in, a league where Nick Chubb and Saquon Barkley are there, you know, threatening 80 yard touchdowns every play. Yeah, I mean, he comes in as a true freshman in 2017, comes out, takes 107 carries. He, he's just kind of used uh, lightly because they had a couple other uh, running backs that, you know, had seniority over him. But anytime that ETN got on the field, you could tell, you know, he'd kind of catch your eye. You'd feel like he, you know, every every time he got the ball it was going for positive yardage, first downs or, or big, you know, chunk yardage plays. Last year he sort of uh, jumps into the into the workhorse role uh, and still like doesn't get overused which is also great for for like Debbie you know he's gonna have some tread on his tires coming uh, to the NFL because Clemson is one of those programs that it has such a, an immense wealth of talent around him that they don't need to rat, uh, ride Travis Etienne for 25 30 carries a game they can they can run it uh, with, with a guy like Lynn J Dixon who's a rising sophomore this year who also averaged a ton of yards uh, per carry this past season but I mean again Etienne on the on those 204 carries that he had last year average being able to maintain an 8.3 uh, yards per carry average is just preposterous. That's just nuts. You don't really see that. Uh, he finished the year with 24 total touchdowns, including uh, the playoffs, 21 in the regular season, plus the a- ACC championship game. So, yeah, the explosiveness is there. If, if you want to just be the guy that knocks him for uh, not really having much of a pass-catching resume, go ahead, uh, have fun. Uh, you know, he caught two-thirds of his passes this past year, not a ton of efficiency with it, but that's just not a huge staple in that class. Clemson offense doesn't need to be um it's it's skill that I imagine he can acquire with, with time and with training I wouldn't bet against any sort of facet within his game so he is pretty ironclad the number one uh Devi prospect for this year in my mind so I I also agree with you I, I will mention now that there are different schools of thought on this definitely like there are some people who uh considered Jonathan Taylor the running back from Wisconsin the number one or or among the next the top tier in any case the top tier is also generally inhabited by guys like uh Justin Ross at Clemson excuse me Rondale Moore Purdue receiver uh there's also DeAndre Swift has has a pretty sizable uh hive in his favor and going to keep it more in like the the running back frame at the top and i i i have guys like etn taylor swift at the top because i do think they could be those uh you know 30 fantasy point in a week kind of nfl runners the kinds of guys who we end up pursuing in the top five picks in our season long leagues and uh, jonathan taylor is who i would put at number two uh almost a 1b to etn and he taylor even more than etn has pass catching concerns like he basically we have to assume right now is below average i think yeah in that capacity uh the reason i can get over it or at least i think i can is a he is profoundly successful for his age as a runner in a way that 
I can't, it's like Ron Dane is basically what you're talking, it, that kind of scale of production, maybe Ricky Williams yeah, or something. He's, he's got the NCAA record within his sights with only two years under his belt to this point. Yeah, so to put up 7.2 yards per carry last year, 6.6 as a true freshman, uh, going over 2,000 yards last year and falling just short as a true freshman in 2017, that's just insane. And unlike ETN, who's listed at 5'10", uh, 200, I would expect him to ETN to play in the NFL at like 210, something like that. Uh, so he's not a big bruiser or anything. If that's something that you want in a running back, then Taylor is that to the, the, the prototype of it. Uh, he's not the three down prototype, but he's the he could be like a Jamal Lewis kind of player who it's ah. like it's like he's already done two thousand yards in two uh, college football seasons. It's like you give him sixteen games. And, uh, you know, what? who knows what kind of numbers he'd be putting up. So Jonathan Taylor also, just based on the number of times that he runs away from defenses for long touchdowns, I think we can figure he's going to run, I don't know, like we saw how Nick Chubb is so good at that, even in the NFL, and he only ran like a 4.52 or whatever it was. Yeah, he, so Taylor is a legitimate track star uh, in New Jersey growing okay. up. Like I think he won state for either the 4x1 or, or maybe even the 100-yard dash in New Jersey, so he does have that speed that you're talking about. Okay, yeah, so he could be even faster than Chubb, and it, part of part of why I keep bringing up Chubb is like I think we both, John, considered him better than most people. So Chubb does. Uh, when, I, when I say Chubb, I'm not saying like I think Jonathan Taylor will be a you know 35th overall selection not like the uh the tweet this morning from the rockies oh right uh the the deeply offended minor league affiliate of the colorado rockies we will not be called the chubs it's like i didn't even know this was a, a an issue you guys were having but now that you alerted it to me i have to say chub you know like <laughs> yeah. they, they apparently they they didn't like to be called their nickname the chubs they have a they're the rockies not the chubs and so it's like well if you tell me that then you're the chubs now i'm yep. sorry sorry those are um, rules but yeah so it's uh nick chubb we're talking about it's not the the big topic of the inter- of twitter uh on, on today thursday june tw- 27th um they they deleted the tweet i guess i guess too many people took up the opportunity Cowards. to point out their real name which is the chubs um but yeah jonathan taylor is kind of in that vein in any case it's like he he's he like chubb is the, he came out of high school an nfl running back like he was just already built that way uh he should have been allowed to go pro already <laughs> um but uh he he's the kind of guy who i really think he could be like a two thousand yard threat on the ground and as long as his fumbles don't get out of control and and the thing is like at his age with how accomplished he is as a rusher i think he could develop a little bit as a pass catcher like we saw that with guys like james connor certainly okay. uh, kareem hunt didn't do any pass catching until his senior year at toledo so we can't rule out the possibility that he develops it especially given the fact that he has had so much on his plate as a runner the past two years it's like how could he possibly even like, like if he did more than he does right now he would just be like Barry Sanders level good yeah and and to to round out your point regarding like his production through the the two years and then the the team context like when a team game plans for Wisconsin they know that Taylor's going to be getting the ball upwards of 30 times and they still can't stop him yeah so impressive yeah he's he's proven everything that there is possible to prove as a runner it's it's a shame he has to stay at Wisconsin another year to be frank but uh it would be a valid concern to raise about both Taylor and ETN that they haven't done anything as pass catchers. Whereas with DeAndre Swift, yes, you can't you can't really raise that concern with him. Like you might think he's not as good of a pure runner as the other two, but you would have to concede that he projects much better as a pass catcher. Okay, so I mean, give me your takes on on Swift as a whole. Then, um, I, I'd, the only reason I wouldn't have him immediately behind ETN and Taylor 
would be because I'm having a hard time figuring out what I want to do with Justin Ross who or, or Jerry Judy two receivers who uh ross won't be eligible after this year but some regard him nonetheless as the top overall he uh, looks dev- like julio jones it's it's insane yeah so it's again it's hard to it's hard to put an exact uh value on on like the timeliness of these various players but uh deandre swift i i really like a lot and if if someone were to rank him anywhere from one to uh I don't know four. i wouldn't argue against it like i don't think he should fall further than that i i wouldn't um I guess I guess five would be okay too, but uh, with not just Ross, you got Jerry Judy. Like I said, it's it's really hard to argue against him uh, as as a top five overall Devi pick too. So um, I would just kind of say Swift will be my third running back and probably third player generally, unless he runs like etn and taylor this year in which case i I might have to move him up to number one uh i haven't seen that i know he won't get the opportunity exactly with a backfield that they have there at georgia but uh if he can if he can do some kind of you know seven yards of carry stuff over a a rushing yardage total that is you know top three in the sec that could change my conception of him a little bit because right now i see him as like a really good but not necessarily great runner and then also a very good pass catcher yeah swift is an interesting case and this year i don't foresee georgia giving the ball away to and they don't have an elijah holyfield to kind of eat up more carry or okay. you know that same amount of carries like they, they like brian harrian as, as a change of pace guy james cook uh, has bulked up considerably looks like his brother now like officially uh, oh, saw, okay saw a picture of him so he that was his concern was getting on the field last year he just uh, was a you know maybe generously listed at 180 or something and zamir white uh, coming off his second acl tear uh, in as many years so we don't even know what he's going to end up uh, looking like so I think Swift is going to get maybe more opportunities than people are projecting at this point. Okay. And we're also in a situation where Georgia has uh, probably the best offensive line in college football. I'm, I'm not, I swear I'm like not being biased about it, but it's just multi-year starters with, with five-star or high four-star uh, type pedigrees uh, that Sam Pittman has gotten uh, into Athens. So uh, he's going to have wide open run, running lanes. I mean, maybe that works against him for the film Twitter people that just see him uh, running, running into, you know, open daylight constantly. But I think he's going to push for, you know, maybe not 200 carries exactly over, over the course of the full season, but I think 180, uh, 180 carries for him uh, on top of like 30 uh, receptions or so uh, is totally within the, the realm of possibility. And I think that he, his efficiency could take another step forward with the, with the help of that offensive line. Real quickly on uh, Swift, his pass catching, it's like I've said, it's we've pointed out it's better than Taylor and ETN, but more than that, it's, it's like among the best that we know of. Uh, so he could be a Kamara kind of impact in the NFL the way he's utilized because like for last year for instance 32 catches for 297 yards and three touchdowns you might look at that and say yeah that's fine but it's it's actually better than fine because he was doing 7.1 yards per target at 76.2 percent catch rate which is um you know that that would be very good for a receiver even that that would be like good slot receiver kind of numbers so to to put up those kinds of numbers as a pass catcher is is really encouraging and if he does that kind of thing with a bigger uh, overall workload this year then he could he could really uh distinguish himself from the other two i think oh sorry oh and just one like thing about his production from last year i agree with agree with you there on the pass catching um 
he had uh, off-season surgery on both uh, both groin muscles uh, oh, last okay. year, so that that kind of explained his slow start through the first seven games of the year. Uh, he was still doing fine. He was still averaging five yards a carry, but um, it wasn't as explosive as as down the stretch when he you know racked up seven and a half uh, yards per carry against teams like Florida, Kentucky, Auburn, um, and Alabama. So. He really, once he got healthy after the bye week and after the LSU game, he kind of took his game to another level. And if you watch, you know, his games from, you know, Missouri or Tennessee and you compare them to his Kentucky or his Auburn games, it's a di- it's night and day. Fair enough. Yeah, I was I was sold already. And if, if there was, uh, you know, if, if there was something dragging his numbers from last year, then that certainly just makes it more impressive. Uh, but I think for us, we've we can agree that those top three runners kind of make our top three generally and then for me at least then there's a c basically of really impressive receivers that i i can't really argue for or against all that emphatically like uh i if you have justin ross first out of these guys uh, already established i won't argue with you but it's not just him there's jerry judy like we mentioned jalen rager i think people might still be sleeping on a bit even though they basically all know he's good i think he's the he's the kind of guy who it honestly would not shock me one bit if he turns out to be like a top 15 pick something like that because he's track burner with tons of innate football ability he could be like a, a bulkier ty hilton or something like oh. that uh he's very convincing on tape at least and you know we we make a lot of assumptions about these players athleticism so if, if he runs like a four five five then i take it back maybe he's just kendall Wright or something like that but i don't think he will so jerry judy obviously very fast i don't know what his workout numbers are supposed to be but very i would polish too yeah i would be disappointed if he runs uh worse than a four four flat i expect him to be the mid four three kind of guy super talented so yeah it's it's i think with these guys you might rank them depending on just kind of like where your team is and its competitive window and if you're a ways off then it's easier to take justin ross rondell moore uh amon ross st brown because it's like you know they're going to be really good and that you might have to wait doesn't matter to you either way uh but then there's if you're talking more immediately there's not just uh jalen Ragor and jerry judy there's lavisca chenault at colorado and there's t higgins at clemson tyler johnson at minnesota is going to be in this draft so it's those guys along with oklahoma's cd lamb that i think are, are next for me and that that basically gets me to 10 yeah i think that that's a good way to round it out and i think that it, it's kind of just important to you know get it out there that yeah that the, there's sort of that ironclad top three as far as those running backs uh go and then it, it does get really receiver heavy and i i completely agree with that and i think ross and ross in front of higgins i definitely agree with um at seven chenault and rager are both like guys that are extremely productive are extremely uh, like counted on in their offenses like they you know defenses have to game plan against them have to like focus on doubling them or stopping them in any way that they can and yet uh chenault and rager like always produce so those guys are really really intriguing uh to me and then yeah like you said cd lamb uh right up there um i don't know if i'm quite as high on brian edwards as you but i think that there's reason to be and he's been a guy that's been productive since he was a freshman at south carolina i was a little bit surprised that he came back but um at the same time it was a pretty loaded receiver class this past year anyway so maybe he would have gone in like the fourth or fifth or, or later than that so maybe he's betting on himself getting into that day two consideration this year yeah i think he would have had a good shot at the third this year i think he'll turn out to be a second or third kind of guy he doesn't have um doesn't have the upside that most of these guys were talking about but i could i could easily imagine him being like a 
I don't know, Muhammad Sanu kind of floor, maybe better than that, where it's it's like he's he's very efficient and especially for his age and he doesn't have the explosive games you'd like to see. But I, I can kind of rationalize that a little bit with South Carolina, just kind of goofy passing stats sometimes but uh i actually have in my top 10 tyler johnson like i mentioned and i gotta mention fusu vu uh laid out a comparison that i i think is actually kind of in like not compelling in the sense that it's obvious but it's it's the kind of thing that it's difficult to argue with when you look at it more closely and the comparison would be deandre hopkins because it's one of those things with tyler johnson of minnesota where we know he wasn't a top recruiter or anything and we don't have any reason to believe that he's some kind of like plus plus athlete and yet the production is so utterly dominant that we we have to admit that there is you know some explanation that isn't just how fast or big he is or whatever and if if it's not those things then we basically have to start thinking like well maybe he just is a better natural like route runner body positioning coordination you know hands at the high point things like that um and deandre hopkins has those traits to uh you know to thank for his dominance in the nfl because he ran like a four five six or something like that at just like 215 pounds six foot one and you look at that about deandre hopkins and you think like oh this is an average player uh and yet the, the production compels you to to figure you know something else is going on here uh and tyler johnson has a, a similar kind of thing because it's like at minnesota uh, terrible quarterback play for so his, bad and uh he, he just puts up uh it's like the dj Moore market share kind of numbers but not for the reason of that the quarterback only throws the one slant route to him over and over it's like they're they're throwing the ball to a whole field but johnson's just the only one who ever gets open or, or ever does anything consistently i know they have bateman there who's good or whatever yeah, he's intriguing but uh yeah tyler johnson it's it's like one of those things just guys who command as much uh production out of an offense is him just they they're skilled like they don't disappear later and uh, there's also the chance that he does test better than we expect in which case it's like then he's just you know beyond criticism almost so i i'm pretty optimistic about him being a first round pick even if he's kind of considered like an overachiever type in the meantime and then i get to the you know the freshman from last year rondell moore and amon st raw amon raw st brown so yeah the the st brown uh one is interesting and I'd like to get your opinion on him because you have him ahead of Henry Ruggs. Um, I would, I might go Henry Ruggs again with the proximity sure. to the NFL. I think the frame uh, maybe a little bit more projectable. St. Brown uh, does not look like uh, equanimous in terms of in terms of his height or right. anything. Um, but so I have my doubts about him like developing into at least what you normally would expect out of your number one receiver. But the, the skills are obviously there. I'm not, I'm not arguing that. I just think that Ruggs, maybe I would put a little bit higher and also the fact that he would be available in this draft class. Yeah, Ruggs could be pretty fast too. Like we, he, we, he's allegedly run in the four twos. Okay, yeah. So that, that just is a testament to how insanely unfair the college football recruiting basically is because it's like not only at clemson they all, that's where joe nada is too right yes. so yeah we'll get to that in a second but um with uh henry ruggs it's like here's this guy who he's, he scores like a touchdown every two catches at alabama but we don't really care who he is because like he's number three or four receiver most days behind jerry judy but if jerry judy's worth a top 10 pick then henry ruggs jalen waddle and even Devonte smith it's like we don't know how those three are going to get sorted out we just know that all three are so good at the same time like at everything 
that we're basically desensitized to all of it and it, it becomes meaningless at a point it's like what is what am i supposed to do with this every single time Tua goes back to pass it's a long touchdown ooh whatever uh, they but they can't all be top <laughs> 10 picks me. right um, but maybe maybe they are and maybe maybe rugs gets to the combine burns it up and we basically realize you know um I mean, they, Odell Beckham caught a lot fewer passes at LSU than Jarvis Landry did, and that's not to compare at all. Judy is nothing like Jarvis Landry, but it's just to say sometimes uh, college passing target rotations aren't super indicative of what's to come between those players. And like DeAndre Hopkins caught fewer passes than Sammy Watkins that one year when Watkins was a year younger, and yet we, we all know Hopkins is the better player. Um, so Judy could be awesome and waddle could be awesome and it's just like the only reason they didn't put up hysterical numbers all this time is just because like well somebody had to take the short end of the stick and it you know that jerry judy wasn't going to be the guy right and also i mean they, they call off the dogs in the fourth quarter like i think Tua had something like 13 pass attempts in the fourth quarter during the regular season last year so i mean we're, yeah. we're working with three quarters worth of potential volume so yeah i'm, I'm plenty high on rugs and waddle too i think waddles overlooked right now i don't know as much about Devonte smith but the numbers of course check out so far and hopefully hard hopefully we'll time. hopefully we'll learn more about him this year but yeah with amon ross st brown i guess i see it is kind of like a christian kirk kind of thing where it's like unusually productive as a true freshman kind of has that ideally in the slot kind of look like he's prototypical slot but probably good enough to play outside too but you can just easily imagine him leading a team in receptions like five years in a row or something like that even if he's not necessarily uh you know a judy type downfield killer he's got some he's got some tracking skills though i, I have seen those yeah before. i think he's really good it's and, and these guys these receivers seem un, like unusually good to me it's really hard to to feel uh feel like arguing against any of them yeah no this is definitely a strong list uh thus far one guy i want to kind of draw your attention to a little bit um is this guy seth williams he's going to be a true sophomore at auburn okay um six three two twenty four uh big fella obviously comes out last year as a true freshman in, in, a, in an offense that was kind of wonky i don't know what exactly was going on there was some tension apparently between uh gus malzahn and and the offensive coordinator at the time they have since gotten uh memphis's offensive coordinator now so i think things will be and gus malzahn is going to take over play calling duties so auburn overall should be better this year they won't have Jarrett stidham at quarterback but Williams, even with the, the kind of turmoil going on around him last year, still aver- or managed to average 12.4 uh, yards per target and turned five of his 26 receptions into touchdowns. Okay, so that, that's interesting. Yeah, he wasn't on my radar. Uh, I always tend to overlook the Auburn receivers, but uh, Slayton was a fifth-round pick, I think, this year, or six, something like that, and, and Williams, being much younger, was kind of keeping some sort of pace, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, that's always good to see when a guy is in the NFL and then there's the, the prospect that you're looking at is several years younger and, and kind of only almost already at their level. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. the, when you have tools like that to add further projection, it's it's – stuff like that you want to keep in mind with your prospects because it's it's like the tools are definitely important and when you look at production you want to always view it relative to age so that uh you can imagine like well in a couple of years what will those tools look like and in, in, in the numbers instead like when they have more skill to go with it uh, and and seeing the production in points of time like that can kind of help you get an idea of how the future might go yeah so i, I think that yeah auburn you know has kind of there's 
trending in a direction where it could uh, turn out a couple of NFL level uh, like starter type uh, receivers here. Um, in addition to Seth Williams, and I think you're making good points there about the projected development on top of the the kind of natural ability and frame. Uh, Anthony Schwartz is like the fastest guy in college football. I don't know what to make of him. Guys like, like him usually end up being more like flashy in college than they are useful to the NFL. Okay. There's there's some exceptions, I, mean, I guess, but uh, I'm trying to remember the last time there was a guy like that where they where they panned out really at all, and I'm I'm just not even really remember. If he shows some production, that's different. Like, but to this point, he's kind of been like a gadget player, right? Yeah, yeah. They use him on like the buck sweeps a lot. Okay, so you never know. I mean, it, it could go somewhere, and I wish. I, but it's like there's, there's guys like uh, Chris Platt at Baylor. You know, oh, yeah. he's like he's he's like a four two guy, but just kind of doesn't really do anything. Um, so there's there's always that risk. But Schwartz you, is kind of small too, as far like it, his height's fine, but I mean he's, he's skinny. Rail thin. Yeah, yeah. I remember I remember seeing a little bit of him last year and thinking like, God, he looks like you know one sixty five or something like that. Yeah, he might have might be a generous one eighty that they have him listed at. Okay, so yeah, it's it, but uh, you know, and going more toward uh, guys like Joe Nada who. Uh, this is further down the rankings, which we have on the site, um, but to, had to skip some guys, I guess, because we, we only have so much time. I will mention actually quickly at 14 and 15, rounding out for me is two running backs who were much higher in the rankings a year ago AJ Dillon of Boston College and Cam Akers of Florida State. And I was probably a little too low on Akers recently, but I, I know most people in the Debbie community would say, even now, ranking him at 15, like they're still they're basically pulling their knives on me right now uh they're like how dare you say that and he's he's probably better than i thought or at least like the florida state offensive line was worse than i thought a lot of videos hyping him up this week i've noticed yeah and i don't know i guess i guess i could have used the talking down there because basically basically i I don't want to rank him behind a guy like salvin ahmed or whatever other running backs we're talking about in that tier it was so fun to just knock him off the pedestal though it was but it's (laughs) like he's i mean don't get me wrong i have not that i'm accusing any of these people of uh having ulterior motives but it's like you're gonna see people hyping cam Akers for the next uh, year at least because they already spent a bunch on him and they need to just not feel depressed about it yep. so i understand that um but i'd much rather have aj dylan because it, <clears throat> we talked about taylor jonathan taylor earlier aj dylan is basically like not even like dollar store jonathan taylor he's he's just pretty close to being jonathan taylor i think and he doesn't quite have the production to show it but in terms of just being a freakishly big and fast person uh and i feel like he's even more agile than jonathan jonathan taylor is not particularly agile that's not what i mean by that what i mean is aj dylan is about 240 pounds at six feet or 511 or something but he just doesn't look like it he doesn't look that big even though he is and part of that is just normally you have the optical illusion of of a big guy being slow because of just how big they are and like their movements don't naturally lend to the appearance of of you know fast choppy feet that we think of when we think of speed um but with him it's like he's he's um it's almost like this thing where because he is quicker than anyone else that build is it just it just looks like he's smaller than he is he looks like he's 220 or something but he's he's 240 uh should test pretty well if even if he doesn't have great like agility score he should have a pretty insane broad jump or something like that for how big he is because yeah it's like he just he moves like you know you shouldn't move like that when you're as big as he is and uh he he seems pretty flexible and have good balance as a result but uh as 
a Boston College running back, he has no testing as a pass catcher, really. So Akers has an advantage there. And and we'll see where Akers' eventual testing turns out. But I remember that play against Virginia Tech last year where he got caught from behind. And it's like, you're probably not running in the 4-4s if that happens. You might be, but it's unlikely. And I, I don't I don't think the Virginia Tech guy that caught him is known as like a 4-2 guy or anything. Uh, no. I could be wrong, but whatever. Um, so yeah, I... Akers is basically a bust as far as the expectations people had on him a year ago, which or two years ago, which should have just been on ETN. Yeah, no, absolutely. But ETN, of course, didn't didn't quite draw the the prospect hype. I mean, uh, Akers, Mississippi native. I think uh, Mississippi and Mississippi State fans were just rioting when Akers committed to Florida State because of how big a deal he was. But yeah, so we have those more obvious in the top fifteen kind of guys, and um, we're still kind of deliberating about what order some of these next guys should go in. But depending on your league. Uh, or any leagues you're looking at you might go further into the depths uh some some of these leagues go quite deep uh, with with really big rosters and um our rankings might not be able to accommodate all of those because we can't just have like a directory of basically every single freshman who's who signs up um but we'll try to get something like a i don't know top it's, it's gonna be a top 50 probably by uh the weekend and maybe within a couple weeks and get pushed toward 100 but uh after those more obvious guys or you start to look at those five-star freshman types like joe nada who I got some okay yeah so john john knows a bunch about these guys and that these are the kinds of guys that, not that you're necessarily taking them late in drafts you might have reason to take them with your first pick because uh, because you know sometimes you just want a deferred asset over over an immediate one but uh these guys haven't proven anything yet but you got to learn you know the highly the high pedigree recruits because they simply won't be available that long yeah exactly so someone's going to know about them and and you know before like once they kind of have reached a certain point in, in their draft they're going to start looking ahead and start chasing the upside chasing the next justin ross type so yeah uh, coming in for this year Jaden hazelwood uh ou um so i think that <clears throat> he's a guy pretty typical frame like considered one of the best players uh, not just in the at his position, but in the country, he was a top five overall player according to twenty four seven Sports. Uh, really, really, just kind of electric, dynamic player, uh, and obviously going to a Lincoln Riley system, uh, that's going to pan out pretty well for him. It, it, I think that they're going to start churning out you know NF, true NFL uh, stars at Oklahoma here sooner rather than later. Uh, Garrett Wilson at Ohio State is someone that just uh, really flashed the entire time during his high school career uh, out of Austin, Texas, but decided to commit to Ohio State, um, blew it up in the uh, All-American game. Uh, I think Graham Mertz, the Wisconsin commit, uh, threw at least two touchdowns to Garrett Wilson. He looked really smooth. I think that there's a chance he gets on the field this year. And if, if he doesn't even get a ton of volume, I think he's still going to be a guy that you're going to want to keep on your list. He's really talented. He's not huge or anything. He's 5'11 and a half, uh, but impressive nonetheless. Uh, Theo Weezy, uh, also at Oklahoma, they just had an insane hall of receivers he's really good he's a little bit bigger he's 6'3 202 but really impressive guy uh george pickens uh at georgia especially with J- uh, jeremiah holloman getting kicked off the team uh, i think they need a true x receiver pickens uh i watched one game of his last year he kind of caught my eye he was committed to auburn at the time it was like that opening weekend of the high school football season he was going up he played for hoover uh going up against some other big school in alabama and he just looked 
man man amongst boys against the best players in the state of Alabama and you know that continued throughout the rest of his season so there's a reason he ended up as a five-star recruit six three and a half 190 so probably needs a little bit of time in the weight room he was a summer enrollee at Georgia so that you know there's going to be a bit of a system learning curve for him but I think by week four week five he's going to start seeing himself uh, playing the bulk of the snaps uh, potentially at, at the X receiver for Georgia and you know that's just as a true freshman so once he gets established we're talking about 2020 2021 uh, he's going to be a guy that's kind of dominating for Georgia in a way that we haven't really seen uh, since the days of AJ Green nice yeah I certainly don't have uh, anything to add to those guys I will mention that having done the Pac-12 projections uh, first this year I have I've got a little bit more reading done on Micah Pittman for Oregon and uh, these are these are not guys that are conventionally valued at the top in Devi circles. It's just more like if we're talking freshman receivers to keep in mind because uh, it's easy to forget. Rondale Moore was not like a five star guy last year. He was a prized recruit for Purdue, um, but he was he was more like a four star guy. And in that case, it's you want to keep in mind a guy like Micah Pittman at Oregon because they they're thin at receiver, and yet we would think they'll have a good offense this year with Justin Herbert at yeah, quarterback. Exactly. So great offensive line. So yeah, even if it's like a by default because all the other receivers aren't that good kind of thing, you could imagine him kind of having a pretty fast start for a true freshman. And then Arizona has uh, what is it? I already forgot his name. Uh, is it Cedric? It, no, his, his real name is Jalen, but they call him Booby. I think it's Curry. Okay, it? but uh, I could Curry. Yeah, that sounds right. Okay, yeah. So he's he's a guy who's a four star recruit, and it's one of those things where there's only so much you can tell from high school tape and like the athletic testing that they do at these camps. So um, you want to be a little bit skeptical, or or you know, just not take hook, line, and sinker every declaration you read about who's the biggest and fastest because sometimes we just guess wrong. Um, but he doesn't really look like that toolsy of a guy, so I don't know if he might need to him and Pittman. Maybe they need to be more like Christian Kirk types, where they're more skilled than they are toolsy. Whereas you know the Justin Rosses and and the, those burner types, like they're the ones that everybody everybody guns for at the top of the order. Uh, with with Nixon and uh, or sorry Curry and with um, Pittman, mm-hmm. it's more like opportunity. But you want to keep track of that. You want to try to anticipate things like that because early production in college portends nfl viability and if a guy has a big true freshman receiver at a freshman year at receiver on a on a big national team it's like he's going to be on the nfl radar already and the, and the price if nothing else will go up uh, by the time the next year starts yep exactly and, and tack on one more other freshman uh, wide receiver at a program that has shown that they you know they don't really care so much about seniority if you can play you're going to play and be featured right away and that's the school where Rondell Moore is, it's Purdue. Uh, they have this guy, David Bell, apparently hmm. uh, the Purdue, rec- uh, like the whole kind of coaching staff and all of them were just flipping out when, when he officially signed to go to Purdue. He's a four-star guy uh, out of Indianapolis, uh, impressive guy. And I think that with the general lack of proven or you know talented uh, players outside of Rondell Moore in that passing game there's a really good chance that David Bell goes ahead and he enrolled, he enrolled this summer I believe I don't think he was an early enrollee if he wasn't the chances are even better but he's another guy that I think is going to be producing right, right off the bat for, for Purdue and I think that again like you said you produce as a true freshman you're going to get yourself on NFL radars right away yeah uh, in that case uh, I, I do remember guys other than Moore blipping a little bit at receiver for Purdue the Jeff Brom system usually very good so so that's another good name uh, 
could could be like at least the Bateman to the Tyler Johnson or something like that. Yeah, I know yeah. I know Bateman's on the radar for people too. So uh, yeah, you always want to watch for early production. That it's rare for a guy to be very productive as a freshman and then go downhill from there. Uh, it can happen. It's just you're you're pretty unlucky if it happens to your guy. Yeah, I mean maybe like injury or, or something crazy just kind of factors in things that you obviously can't really project for all that well. But um, that'll be some. This is this will be a subject we. We're, we're kind of just launching that part of the site and we're, we're going to have more ideas on it as time comes along, which we will keep podcast listeners informed of. Absolutely. And also, yeah, I'd like to toss in that uh, we are relaunching the college football podcast in late July. I believe the launch date is July 24th. So keep an eye out for that, too. So that, yeah, some of you that you'll be happy because that's coming back. And the other of you will be happy that we stopped talking about college football in this one. <laughs> See, we're, we're we aim to please. Yeah, so you're all happy, and I, that I don't need to hear anything else. There we go. All right, so you got anything else? We wrap things up? No, that's that's about all. We've got the doom of Valyria outside with a big storm, and I'm I'm kind of curious to see what's left of this Madison downtown. Yeah, it's gonna yeah, it's gonna be really 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 cool. All right, so for Mario Puig, I'm John McKechnie. Thanks for listening to the Roadwire NFL podcast. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.